All right. Um, aloha, everybody. Aloha. That's my new word. Aloha. Yeah. Uh, my family and I just got back from Hawaii. Hawaii. Maui, um, um, to be exact. And it was, we had a great time. Um, I've got to tell your story. Um, so many memories, but one of my most... I mean, this was comical, so I just thought I'd share it with you guys. Um, you know, we were at, you know, one of the beaches, and obviously the waves are not that big. And so I said, look, I'll take this opportunity in the shallow end, the shallowest of the shallow end. I will grab the boogie board and aim to, like, just, you know, show off a little bit, you know, and try and, like, kind of surf. And so I grab the boogie board, I go on the water, and I'm like, oh, crap, this is harder than it looks. Um, <laughs> and so I'm doing all of that, and um, I think, I don't know what happened, but I turned my back um, to the waves, okay? I turned my back to the waves, and I'm kind of waving at my kids, just going, look at that, I'm so cool with my boogie board. And then all of a sudden, I, um, I, I got hit. <laughs> By this, well, it was a small wave, but because I can't swim, I just freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, being, <laughs> I'm dying, someone help me. Um, but all that to say is, I remember that because last time we looked at Jonah, you know, he was talking about like drowning and everything, and that's how I felt. <laughs> anyway, grab your Bibles, Jonah chapter 4. Don't know why I told you that. But it makes sense. It will make sense, I hope. Um, Jonah chapter 4, this week we're going to be looking at the four, first four verses. Last week, Wayne Harris did a splendid job um, helping us understand what happened in Nineveh when Jonah preached the gospel. We'll kind of do a recap of that later on. But as a church, we love God's word um, God's word is our authority, and one of the ways we try and communicate that is by standing every time we read the word. And so if you could stand for the reading of the word, that would be great. Thank you. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 through to 4 reads, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said? When I was yet in my country, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, um, once again, it's a joy to be here. It really is to gather together um, for the sole purpose of knowing you um, and understanding how you want us to live. And so I pray that in all of our experience so far and the experience we have later on um, as we've gathered here this morning, that you would, God, you would speak, um, you are speaking, and that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that's willing to obey you. We love you, and we're thankful for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, we've been studying the book of Jonah um, for the last, what, five weeks, and 
Um, it's been awesome to kind of like take this book that's so familiar to all of us, dive deep into it, no pun intended, dive deep into the book <laughs> and um, really understand it. Um, what we've understood so far, just we want to give you a quick recap. Previously in Jonah, um, Jonah was a Jewish prophet um, who was asked by God to go to a bustling city called Nineveh to proclaim the gospel to them. But Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, mainly because as a Jew, he hated the Ninevites. After all, they were enemies of his people. In those days, the great city of Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. The empire was led by kings known throughout the ancient Near East for their military might and savage physical violence. The Assyrians were oppressive and cruel. And they had inflicted much damage on many nations, and this included um, the nation of Israel. And so to a Jew like Jonah, you can understand, Nineveh represented a violent people who had ushered in one of the darkest times in Israel's history. This is exactly why Jonah refused to go to Nineveh, to warn them of coming judgment. He had zero desire for a people who had caused him and his people much pain and sorrow to turn from their evil ways. Jonah's decision not to go to Nineveh was made evident by his decision to travel by ship to a city called Tarshish, which was the furthest city from Nineveh in the opposite direction. Not long after setting sail, Jonah and the crew are struck by a terrible storm threatening to destroy their ship. The sailors soon find out that Jonah is the culprit. They learn that the only way to calm the storm and save their lives is to throw Jonah overboard. And so as soon as they throw Jonah overboard, the storm immediately comes. As a result, what happened was crazy. The sailors become worshippers of God. They turn and they repent and they become worshippers of the one true God of the Bible. But as Jonah drowns and descends to the bottom of the ocean, um, he is moments away from death when a giant fish saves his life by swallowing him up in the belly of the fish. Jonah prays to God about his near-death experiences and realizes that salvation belongs to the Lord. The fish then vomits Jonah out on dry land and Jonah finally comes to his senses. He obeys God, walks the streets of Nineveh and warns them of coming judgment if they do not repent and turn to God. And so the question is, how do the people of Nineveh respond? Think about it. As I've said, these were a cruel and violent people. They had a reputation of being terrible and terrifying. How did they respond to Jonah's message of judgment and the call for them to repent? Look at verse 5 of chapter 3. And the people of Nineveh believed God. <laughs> they called for a fast and put sackcloth from the, um, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Verse 6, the word reached the king of Nineveh, 
and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he issued a proclamation and published um, through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. So he's calling them to a fast. And he's calling even animals to fast. Intense. Let them not feed or drink water. Verse 8. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, he says. God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. This response from the people of Nineveh is not the norm. It's so unexpected. This moment in the history of Nineveh saw many people in that city confess their evil ways, repent, and cry out to God for mercy. And so how does God respond to the Ninevites? How does he respond? Look at verse 10 of chapter 4. It says, when God saw what they did as the Ninevites, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Since God created the universe, he has repeatedly displayed his mercy. On many occasions, he has loved the unlovable, he has been merciful to the merciless, and he has been compassionate to the wayward. And this same God has been merciful to the Ninevites. The merciless people have been shown mercy. So the million-dollar question is, Jonah, obviously, is one of the main characters of this. How does Jonah respond? Think about this. Just think about it, okay? Pretend you don't know how he responds. Think about it. He's just had much success as a missionary. He has to be one of the most successful missionaries in human history. He spends a few days proclaiming the gospel in one of the most evil cities, and a revival breaks out there. Has to be one of the most successful mission endeavors ever. And so if you didn't know what happened next, you would think Jonah would be ecstatic. He would be overjoyed. He would be so, like he would be praising God and couldn't wait to get back to his people and share the news that the people of Nineveh have repented. But surprisingly, this is not how he responds. His response is so unexpected. Instead of being overjoyed but what's happening to the Ninevites, he's outraged by it. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. But revival's breaking out. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Jonah's emotional response to God's mercy on the Ninevites, again, is 
unexpected. God's mercy displeased Jonah exceedingly. And God's mercy is so displeasing to Jonah. Verse 1 says that he, it, it actually made him angry. Um, you see the verb, the angry, um, the Hebrew verb for it, right? Um, this, this verb derives from a root word that literally means to burn, okay? To burn. And so Jonah is so displeased with the outcome of his missionary work in Nineveh, he's burning with anger. Burning with anger. And this just doesn't make sense. Does it? It just doesn't make sense. Imagine a businesswoman being angered by news that her startup company made the highest ever annual profit. I can't think of a dad, okay, who would be mad because his son just like scored a touchdown and got voted like, you know, MVP of, the, imagine a dad going, oh, you scored a touchdown or you, you scored a goal and as a result, I'm so angry. There's no way a surgeon would be mad because of a successful surgery. And when was the last time you heard about a missionary who was furious because their outreach efforts in a city resulted in a revival. Success in anything we do makes us joyful, not angry. That's why Jonah's reaction is shocking and doesn't make sense. And so the question is, why is Jonah angry? Why is he outraged by the mercy God has shown to the people of Nineveh? How, why is Jonah angry with God? As we've been studying Jonah, what you've noticed, what I've definitely noticed, is that I look at Jonah and I'm like, that's a reflection of me <laughs> in so many ways. Okay, obviously I never got swallowed by a fish or anything like that, but like his life and his attitude and even like how he responds to certain things, I look at that and I'm like, that's just like me. And so when we're talking about Jonah being angry with God, I think it makes sense for us to say, if Jonah is angry with God, that must mean we too are prone to do the same. And so what can we learn from our passage this morning about why we are sometimes angry with God? First, we can be angry with God when he's merciful to the merciless. We can be for real upset, frustrated, and angry with God whenever he is merciful to those who we feel don't deserve it. Look at verse 2. And he, Jonah, prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I, was in, uh, when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah's anger surprisingly leads him to engage God in prayer, and his prayer reveals to us exactly why he was outraged by the mercy God had shown to the people of Nineveh. But before we get into exactly why Jonah was angry, what I want to do is just 
point out a few fascinating things about his prayer. Okay, a few fascinating things. First, his decision to pray is surprising to me. Think about it. We've got to give Jonah some credit here. Okay, I want us to give him some credit. Okay, although his anger toward God is not justified, I think he does the right thing. In his anger, Jonah doesn't run away from God, but he runs to God in prayer. Fascinating. Even though he's burning with anger because of God's mercy towards the Ninevites, he doesn't withdraw from God, but he talks to God about it in prayer. The Psalms, if you've read the Psalms, the Psalms, basically a book of songs and prayers by God's people, are they're just filled with all types of prayers. They're prayers that praise God. They're prayers that confess. They're all types of prayers. And some of the prayers in the Psalms are this. They are honest, unfiltered, and raw prayers where people vent their frustrations to God, where people tell God they're upset with how he's doing things. And this is precisely what Jonah is communicating in his prayer. He's being honest with God about how he feels about this situation. Better to be honest about your struggles in prayer than not to pray at all. And so the question is, is this how you pray? Do you seek God in prayer at all times, in every season, no matter what you're going through? Or has prayer become a stage for you to perform for God? This is what I mean by that. Author Carl Strobel helps us here. He says this, too often... Prayer has become a way to perform for God, hoping that we can say and do the things that will tether him to us. Too many Christians refuse to tell God the truth because they think he'll only receive them in their goodness, forgetting that it was in their sin that he died for them. And so pray. And when you pray, it's okay to tell God that you're angry <laughs> with someone. Tell God how unsatisfied you are with your job or your career. Talk to God about your consuming, lustful thoughts. Tell God that you are angry, that your co-worker got the promotion you feel you deserve. Seek God in prayer at all times, in every season, no matter what you're going through. The second thing I want to highlight about Jonah's prayer is that he quotes Exodus 34, um, verse 6 to 7. And this is, a, this is a section of the Bible that describes the time when God revealed himself um, to Moses on Mount Sinai. Okay, um, this is what's happening. So God commands Moses to um, create two tablets of stone and invites Moses to the pinnacle of Mount Sinai so that God can speak with him. Uh, and so verse 6 um, of chapter 34 of Exodus tells us, 6 and 7, tell us what happened after this. Let's read it. It says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, 
the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so you've noticed something as I read that. Um, yes, Jonah does quote, from this passage we just read from Exodus, but you'll notice that Jonah doesn't quote the whole. Instead, he quotes some of it. He leaves out most of verse 7, especially the last part when it talks about God not leaving the guilty unpunished, okay, but visiting the iniquity. Basically, he leaves out the part that talks about God's justice. In other words, Jonah, in his anger, intentionally overlooks the fact that God is also a God of justice. By doing this, Tim Keller rightly says that Jonah creates a simplistic picture of a God who simply loves everyone without judgment on evil. Essentially, Jonah is using the Bible <laughs> to excuse or justify his anger and bitterness. I wonder if you've ever done the same. I wonder if you've ever used the Bible to justify sinful behavior in your life. I wonder if you've used the Bible to 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 look to look down on people i wonder if you've ever used the bible to justify your sinful behavior that was awkward that's happened before <laughs> wrong timing mate as so that's just two observations about jonah's prayer now, let's look at what the prayer actually tells us about why Jonah chose to disobey God. Look at verse 2 again. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? Okay, so Jonah's like, I told you, God. Like, um, when you asked me to go to Nineveh, we talked about this, and I said, I don't want to go because I knew that you were a God of. So he quotes, he kind of explains God's character. He goes, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and repent, relenting from disaster. R.C. Sproul says this. He says, Jonah never wanted to go to Nineveh in the first place because he did not want to see the Ninevites turn from their sin. He ran not because he was afraid of preaching in a foreign land, but because he was afraid God's word might change the hearts and minds of Israel's hated enemies. And so after revealing why he disobeyed God, Jonah asks for something. And again, this is surprising. You would think that Jonah vents his frustration, goes, God, I told you I didn't want to go because I knew you was a good God. And then you would think he would just leave. But then he goes on to ask God for something. And so the question, what could he possibly ask God for after all of this? Look at verse 3. He says, therefore now, 
This is what he's asking for. This is what he's petitioning. Oh, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah is so outraged by God's mercy towards the Ninevites, he would rather die than live to witness them repent. So that's what Jonah requests. For me, and I'm sure for most of you, this is a very uncomfortable part of Jonah. Jonah's level of irreverence, confessing he is angry that God has been merciful, makes me, and I'm sure you, uncomfortable. And yet, Jonah was not the first, nor would he be the last, to be angered by God's mercy on people like the Ninevites. In fact, the Bible has many stories like this one. Remember the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son? He's angry at his father for throwing his rebellious brother a party. Remember um, the disciples. They were concerned when Jesus addressed the Samaritan woman, someone who's Ethnicity and gender signified a person to avoid, not talk to. The Bible has many examples of people who were offended by God's mercy on those who they felt didn't deserve it. And the truth is, you're no different. It's possible... That there's been a time in your life when you've been angered by God's mercy towards someone you didn't feel deserved it. Believe it or not, like Jonah, we're sometimes angry with God because he's chosen to be merciful to the merciless. Think about it. We're glad when we're the recipients of God's mercy we love it, like God's being merciful to me. But when God is being merciful to someone you don't feel deserves it, my goodness, we get upset and frustrated by that. We expect God to forgive us, but then do not want to see our enemies pardoned. Mercy can be defined as God not giving us what we deserve. The Ninevites deserved nothing but severe punishment and judgment for all their evils. But God decided not to give them what they deserved. Instead, he pardoned them. He relented from punishing them when they repented. This made Jonah mad for multiple reasons. He hated seeing people who had caused his people much pain and trauma go unpunished. Second, I think Jonah just felt betrayed. Think about it. God told him to go and, you know, and preach and, and warn the Ninevites that in 40 days that Nineveh shall be overthrown. And that's not what happened. Instead, God didn't destroy them. And so you can kind of see how Jonah is just angry and a bit betrayed by God. You told me to go and do this and say this, and what you asked me to say hasn't happened. I'm not happy with this. And so when have you 
ever been angry with God. Perhaps you've been angry with God because the person who has deeply hurt you seems to have got away with it. As far as you're concerned, God's anger is too slow. God should have dealt with that person like yesterday. They should be suffering the consequences for how they've been treated, how they've treated you instead of living a normal and peaceful life. God, when are you going to like strike them down or something? For many of us, God's anger is too slow and his love is over the top. Why hasn't he dealt with sex offenders? Why hasn't God dealt with dictators and corrupt government officials and rapists and criminals and pagan countries? Why does God allow evildoers to live and continue to do evil? Why doesn't he judge them if he's a God of justice? And why would he be willing to completely forgive them and unconditionally love them if they turn from their wicked ways and turn to him for forgiveness? That's crazy to me. There's one thing when we talk about God deal with the evil, but it's another thing to be um, aware of the fact that if those, whoever is doing evil, was to repent and turn from their evil ways, God would look at them and forgive them. That's intense. God's justice and God's mercy, trying to reconcile the two, is tough. If God is a God of justice, why does he allow the wicked to go unpunished? And why would he be willing to give the wicked an opportunity to be saved and forgiven? Like Jonah, we can at times be offended by God's mercy, especially when he's merciful to those we feel do not deserve it. So we've seen that we can be angry with, God's, um, with God when he's merciful to the merciless. Second, we can be angry with God when we forget he's been merciful to us. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? This is how God responds to Jonah. Think about, <laughs> oh, this is the thing about the book of Jonah. It's just full of surprises. Twists and turns just when you thought, oh, it's going this direction and this is going to happen. No, something else happens. So many unexpected incidents happen in the book of Jonah. And this is one of them. Jonah's just communicated his anger and frustration with God. God, I'm offended that you've pardoned these evil people. And God turns around and asks him a question. Do you do well to be angry? Notice that... Uh, okay. The question might come across as gentle, but if you look at it, it actually confronts it confronts Jonah. In other words, what God's asking him is this. Jonah, is your 
anger justified. Later on, God will ask him the same question about a plant. But this time, God just says to him, hey, based on your anger towards my mercy, towards the Ninevites, is your anger justified? Is it right for you to be angry at my mercy towards the Ninevites? So we know his anger is not justified. He has no right to be angry at God's mercy to the Ninevites because Jonah is also a recipient of God's unbelievable mercy. God asks Jonah this question to remind him of what he's forgotten. And what Jonah has forgotten and what we are prone to forget is that God has been unbelievably merciful to us. God has not given us what we deserve. And so why are you angry with God? Right now, what is upsetting you and frustrating you about God and his work in our world? In what ways has God's slowness to anger and abundant steadfast love offended you? Do you do well to be angry? Is your anger justified? And you need to ponder these questions because when you do, by God's grace, you'll see that your anger towards God and how he works in his world are never justified. And second, you'll also be reminded of something important that you forgot, and that is God has been merciful to you as well. Think about it. It's easy to forget that we're all ungodly. We're all ungodly as an, as an Ninevites, and it is only because of God's mercy through his son, Jesus Christ, that has made it possible for us to be forgiven of every sin and rewarded with eternal life. Like the Ninevites, we have indeed come to know and experience the one true God of the Bible, a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. This is what we have experienced. And so as we look at our lives, as we ponder, as we think about life and how God is allowing certain people and certain things to happen, 
as we think about this, it's so easy for us to want justice. And justice is a good thing. It's a God thing. But what God will end up leading you to is reminding you of just how merciful he is. And may this reality inspire you to rejoice whenever you witness God's mercy, no matter who receives it. Let's pray. God, help. Help us. Help us understand and know and meditate on just how merciful you've been to us. And when you do, Lord, I pray that you would help us. You would help us seek to be merciful to others. May you be glorified in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.